So I want to say thank you. Thank you for not just putting on your armor. Thank you for covering my back. And I honor you today for that because this is ultimately what we are living out. The full armor doesn't, doesn't cover my, my rear end. You have to. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Judges 6. Because we're still in a battle. There's warfare always happening around us, whether we are uh, oblivious to it or whether we completely are aware. It's always spiritual warfare happening around us. Sometimes it manifests in the physical. I did hear in the, in the case of many, you probably know this story from the book of Judges. It's about Gideon. I'm going to touch on this in the next two weeks. But here's what happens in Judges 6. First one, it says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. What do you think is going to happen next? What happens when we sow the wind? What does scripture say? We reap the whirlwind. <laughs> we always, the harvest is always bigger than the seed we sow. This is why I try to encourage you, stay out of sin. Okay? Because the harvest is always bigger than the seed you've sown. And in this case, Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so what happens for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the, the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites were hiding literally made hiding places for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, and in strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people would invade the country. Verse 6 tells us this. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. But I love what happens next. This happens to all of us. Come on, somebody. You know the cycle. We talk about this all the time. Get to that point where everything is great and I start to turn away from God and I'm doing my own thing. And then all of a sudden, as I do my own thing, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. And now I'm, now I'm in a place of oppression and destruction and pain and sorrow and suffering. And, and so I come to my senses and I begin to cry out to God for help. Have you ever been in that cycle? Don't, you don't have to say amen if you're in it right now, but aren't you thankful that at those moments when I'm at my lowest, I can call upon the name above all names and, and he is a, a, the strong power that delivers me. In, in my time of oppression. So the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. What we see is a people so severely oppressed by the, the Midian army. They're, they're so oppressed that they're now living in terror, in fear, hiding in, in caves and, and mountain clefts. And maybe today somebody here, you, you feel like there's something that is constantly trying to raid your joy and raid your peace and, and steal your purity and steal your hope and maybe it's got you living in fear but I've got good news today and thank you Nadia for laying this out here's the good news today the spirit of the Lord is here and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom from everything that tries to bring fear into your life so somebody take a moment right now and you tell your fear I'm free come on you you tell that thing that's trying to keep you oppressed and, and in bondage I'm free today in the name of Jesus amen let me finish here then you can be seated let me finish here verse 11 says this as the people cried out to the Lord for help, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Why was he doing that? Anybody, anybody know anything about threshing wheat? Okay, you have to throw it up in the air and let the wind kind of carry the chaff away. He's doing this in a pit. He's in a wine press. Why? Because he's hiding, hiding from the Midianites. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You press wine in a wine press. But he's doing this because he's living in fear. He's hiding. So look what happens. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replied, and this sound, anybody, does this sound like you? If the Lord is with me, then why have all these bad things happened to me? Come on, somebody. 
Come on, don't act like I'm not preaching somebody's truth right now. Hello? <laughs> Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Did they not say the Lord is the one who brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. But then the Lord turned to him, I love this, looked at him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midianites' hand. Now Gideon's like, did you just hear me? Maybe they didn't hear me, so, so let, me, let me help you. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. You may be seated here today. Heavenly Father, I speak over this word right now. I pray that you would help us to see beyond our excuses and to see the high calling you have placed upon our lives today. Thank you, Lord, that even when we can't see it, you see something greater because you placed it there. Reveal it to us today in Jesus' mighty name. Let our God's people say amen. 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 So thankful you're in the house today. I want to try something for just a moment. Uh, anybody, anybody ever defined your, your personal comfort zone? Has anyone ever defined your, your, your comfort zone? Like you, just, you know what it is, right? There, there are certain things that you are comfortable doing and and certain things you're uncomfortable doing, okay? Certain things you are comfortable saying. Certain things you're uncomfortable saying. Certain things you're comfortable saying, but uncomfortable if I'm around. To hear you say it, right? right? Yeah, right? Kind of idea, yeah. Certain things you are, you are comfortable watching, but would you watch it if, if we were there with you, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever defined your, your personal comfort zone? Have you, have you ever given it, given it some kind of definition? I, I want to try something um, for just a moment, okay? Let's try a little something. So I have a comfort zone. I'm a musician. I have a comfort zone. Anyone know where my comfort zone is on stage? Where's my comfort zone? Yeah, right there. That's mine. Give me, give me a little rhythm, my guy. Let's say Rev Dev calls me up one Sunday. He's like, uh, yeah, I, I need someone on keys too. Keys too. I got you, Rev Dev. I could do that. Eh? It's my comfort zone. Cool. My comfort zone. I feel good. But what if he says, you know what? Brock's on a second honeymoon. Congratulations to the newlyweds. Dylan's busy. I need a bass player. All right. All right. I think I can do that. I'm comfortable. What if he says, oh, hey, Justice, Justice ain't available. Michael's not available. Chris is out on some bike tour across the country. Okay. I need to play guitar. Call Rev. Dev, I got you, my guy. But what if, just what if, he says, we're in desperate need of a drummer. Y'all think this is going to be good. 
ですな Could you sit here all service long and listen to me do this? Come on. How am I going to admit I'm going to quench the anointing in your life? I'm not even on the temple. If he says, I need you to do something you're not comfortable with, I'm going to tell him, get attracted, my guy. Don't put me up here. This is not my comfort zone. Call somebody else who's comfortable, who's called. Here's my question today What do you do? When God calls you to do something that's outside your comfort zone, what do you do? Let me call Thomas. That's what I do. Thomas, I need, I need you to, to step in and help me out here, brother. You got this for me? You got this? Thank you. You handle that for me. Because I know what I can do, I know what I'm comfortable doing. I'd rather stay in my comfort zone. But what happens in that moment when God says to you, I need you to do something more than you feel you're comfortable with doing? What happens when God says to you, I've got a bigger purpose, a, a greater plan for your life? And you can't hide behind what you're comfortable with anymore. I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you forward. What happens when God says, I'm not going to leave you where you are any longer? Amen? Anyone ever felt that before? God is calling me out of what's comfortable into something greater. And how many have ever felt like Gideon? I want to read you this quote real quick. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank God for this, these awesome musicians that are called and comfortable. I tried to tell you before, you, you don't want me drumming because that's the debacle you get. Keep me in my comfort zone.、Uh, a lady by the name of Judith Bardwick wrote this one time. She said, the, the comfort zone is a behavioral state within which a person operates in an anxiety neutral condition, leaving a limited set of behaviors to deliver a steady level of performance. Usually, without the sense of risk. Within that comfort zone, there isn't much incentive for people to reach new heights of performance. It's here that people go about routine, devoid of risk, causing their progress, check this out, to plateau. What happens then when God says, You're not going to stay here anymore? What happens when God says, I've got something more for you? See, I'm going to give them verse 11 one more time. Verse 11 tells us this. It tells us that Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press, hiding from the Midianites. Why was he hiding? Because in his own mind, he was a nobody. I'm hiding because I, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm comfortable being a nobody. I'm, I'm comfortable in this place where nobody sees me, no one notices me, no, no one bothers me. I want to show you this psychological diagram real quick. Just show them the psychological diagram because most of us sit in this spot right here, the comfort zone. Smallest circle there. It's where we feel safe, it's where we're in control. And when we look outside the, the comfort zone, what do we typically see? We see the fear zone, right? That's what we see. We see、uh, other people's opinions. And so we, we find excuses to, to not move into the, the fear zone. We, we lack any kind of self confidence, we won't, we won't move any further. And, 
And if Rev Dev called me up and said, hey, I, I need you to play drums, I'd, I'd be like, well, you know, I need to get to the learning zone first. <laughs> I, I need to get there and, and figure this thing out because I, I, this is where I begin to deal with my challenges and my problems. This is where I can acquire those new skills. This is where I can actually extend my comfort zone in, in the learning zone. Why? Because there's a place ultimately I believe that God wants us to get. It's not stuck in the comfort zone. It's in that outside circle. The growth zone, I believe that God is, is wanting us to get to. And maybe today you feel like Gideon, right? Maybe you feel like God is, God is literally calling me out of hiding into something bigger. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, like you are so incredibly ill-equipped, like you were just too full of fear and, and doubts and, and too, full of, uh, too full of confusion? And, and then literally, ladies and gentlemen, we, we do. We all go through these periods where we feel stuck in the wine press. We feel like uh, all I know is my comfort zone and, and I'm, I can't get any further. And it's in those moments when we feel stuck that God starts to shake things up. This is the God that, that we serve because God calls Gideon way out of his comfort zone. When we get to Judges 7 next week, it'll make sense as to where God is calling him to, but you need to trust me now because I haven't read that text, but you need to know this. Whenever God calls us into an uncomfortable situation, it's because he's trying to sift some things in our life, if you will. He's trying to sift us between what really matters and what doesn't matter. He's trying to sift us between what counts in my life and what really doesn't count. He's trying to sift things in our life that, like, literally, these are the people who have your back, and these are the people you can live without. When, when it gets uncomfortable, it's because God is doing some sifting in your life, and maybe, just maybe, God has called you to more than just a comfort zone. Maybe he's trying to move you into the growth zone. And I think this diagram is befitting because when we look at it, what do we see? We see just outside the comfort zone. We see the fear. Let me give you just three points today. I promise I will make this quick for you. Our worship team is actually going to be praising God at Martin Luther King Jr. Park this afternoon. Please feel free to come and worship with us um, as we're helping distribute uh, school supplies for, for students. But I want to give you these points here today. God doesn't just call us out. Aren't you thankful that he gives you the keys to succeed? Okay. He gives you the keys to succeed. And, and what is that key? Found right there in verse 12. The Lord is with you. You didn't just call me out. You gave me the chance to succeed. The Lord is with you. You know what our problem is? Our problem is that we just too often look at the size of the calling in front of us instead of looking to the voice that's speaking to us. I feel like I have to remind people all the time what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He said, apart from me, literally apart from me, you can do Nothing. Nothing. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. What branch continues to live once it's cut off from the vine? Why do Christians think that we can thrive when we're no longer connected to the source of life? He says, without me, you can do, apart from me, you can do nothing. So do you understand what this means? If there is a calling on your life, then you don't need more confidence. If there is a calling on your life, you don't need more clarity. All you need to do is get closer to the one who called you. Apart from me. You can do nothing. Second point I want to give you is this. God calls us what he will make us. God didn't call Gideon what he was. What's up, coward? What's up, you crazy misfit? 
hiding out. He didn't, he didn't call Gideon what he was. He called Gideon what he was about to make Gideon. Mighty warrior, man of valor. Aren't you thankful that God calls you how he sees you and how you see yourself? See, we only see where we are. But maybe you recognize this. But the devil doesn't fight you on the level where you are. Satan fights you on the level of your potential. He, he, Satan doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fight you in the wine press. He fights the warrior on the battlefield. He's fighting my, my potential. And, and that's why so many of us right now, we need to recognize that the battle is not about where I am right now. The battle is about where I'm going, where I'm headed. Despite how you might view yourself, can you take a moment and say, thank you, Lord, that you see he, you see me for who I can be, not for who I currently am. Somebody just lift a hand and say, God, thank you that you still call me who you're making me. If you don't believe this is biblical, let me give you a couple examples. Because we see this all throughout scripture. Think about it. When God meets a man named Abram, Abram, Abram literally means exalted father. Okay, exalt, that's the name Abram, exalted father. But when he meets Abram, he, he says something crazy to Abram. He says this in Genesis 17. He says, no longer shall your name be Abram, exalted father. Your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, if you know the story, you, if you're Abraham, you got to be like, dude, you're joking, right? I am 99 years old. How am I going to be the father of many nations? But God doesn't call you how you see yourself. God calls you what he's going to make you. And he says, Abram, no longer you'll be the exalted father. You'll be Abraham, Abrahamon, if you will. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. New Testament. Jesus meets a, a guy named Simon, and Simon is a hothead. Come on. Simon is impulsive. Come on. Simon cusses around the fire and smells like fish, right? Come on. Simon. Jesus calls a man named Simon. He says it to him in Matthew 16. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen to me. When God calls us, God calls us by who he's determined to make us in Christ. When God shows up and when God looks at you, your first reaction might be, no, 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 that's not me. I am not a mighty warrior. I am not good enough. I am not strong enough. I am not capable. I am not smart enough. I am not lovable. I am not. But here's my third point. God does not measure you based on your lowest moments. God measures you based on your highest calling. <laughs> Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers, we who share in this, what kind of calling? Whew. This isn't defined by my weakest moments, by my worst decisions. Who share in this heavenly calling? God doesn't define me then based on who I was or where I was or what I've done. Look at how it, it finishes. Keep your focus on Jesus. Why? Because God is going to define you by who Jesus is. Not who I was, who Jesus is. Not what I did, what Jesus is already. 
done. There's a new definition for me. This is why Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works, but by his own purpose and by the grace he granted us in Christ. When? When? Before time began. Long before God had revealed to you why he called you, he knew who you were and what you would do. My point is this. God is not shocked by your protest. God is not shocked by your feelings of inadequacy. God is not shocked by your feeling of inferiority. Abraham didn't shock God when he told him, I'm too old. Moses didn't shock God when he said, I'm a stutterer. Gideon didn't shock God when he told him, I'm the weakest person in the weakest clan. And you don't shock God with your excuses either. More importantly, I need you to know, you don't shock God, you can't change his mind either. When God has spoken, you don't get to seek a second opinion. This is not your doctor. I don't think they're right. Let me go ask somebody else. When God has spoken, you don't get to seek a, a second opinion, especially yours. Come on, Gideons. You're not the world's leading expert on yourself. You are not the world's leading expert on your value. You're not the world's leading expert on your worth. You are not the world's leading expert on your future. Let me tell you who the world's leading expert is. The one who created you and custom designed you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. The one who gave you a hope and a future. And the one who makes you worthy in Christ. He's the world's leading expert. So when God shows up, as I believe he has been in many of your lives, he shows up and he tells you who you are. Your first response, your gut reaction is going to be, no, I'm not. Mm -mm. You got the wrong person, Lord. Is he, ta is he talking to you? Not me. Not me. Here's what I want to encourage you. When God begins to show up, as I believe he is speaking to you, take that moment and praise God that your first reaction is not the final word. In your life. I just want to, just somebody in this place who made excuses, but God still elevated you. Somebody in this place who, who tried to find a way out, but God still made a way in. Somebody in this place who believed every lie about Satan, but God was still speaking his truth over your life. Can you just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, that even my gut reaction, my first impression is not the final word. You speak over my life. And let me help you here, because I'm almost done. That's how you can learn to tell the difference between Satan's voice and the Spirit of God's voice. See, both Satan and the Holy Spirit, they're going to talk to you about your sin. Mm -hmm. And this is why it can be easy to confuse who's speaking to me right now. Hmm. Especially those things you justify. I don't mean to park here, but, but 2022 American Christians, we justify everything and say, well, God still loves me. You're not going to change his love for you. 
but he loves you so much he's not going to leave you in your wine press. He's got something more for you. And I have watched an entire generation stay stuck because they excuse away something the Spirit of God is trying to reveal and deliver them out of. Oh, my God. I shouldn't stay here much longer because people are just like, move along. Move along. Don't, don't you dare start talking about my, my sin. Don't you start talking about, about, about my voice. So don't, don't, don't you dare start talking about how I, I overeat because, just because I'm, I'm bored and, 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 and because it, it's a coping mechanism. Don't you dare talk about, I can have a drink every now and then. The Bible doesn't say anything about, about drinking. Don't you dare talk about, don't you dare talk about those little secret things that I, because uh, I, I, I need something to calm my nerves. Don't you dare, Pastor, start talking about those things. And yet I'm doing it anyway. Don't you dare, Pastor, talk about the things I've been watching. And, and, the, and the things I've been saying because because God because God loves me, God loves me. Don't you dare do that. I'm not talking about God's love. Of course He loves you. I'm talking about your love for Him. I should have just moved on a while ago. Don't stop till you get enough. Hey. <laughs> this is why it becomes hard to, to discern what's the spirit of God convicting me and the Satan coddling me. But even worse than that, here's, here, here's what Satan does. He doesn't just help us justify our behavior. He's the accuser. That's what the Bible says. Here's how you can really discern the difference, okay? Satan will speak to you with what you've done wrong. Satan will speak to you about who you used to be. Satan will speak to you about how you are currently struggling. And, and what he does is he defines you by that, right? You're such a sinner. You're such a failure. You're, you're, you're such a coward. You're, you're such a loser. You'll always be an alcoholic. You'll always be an addict. You'll always struggle with sexual perversions. You, you, you will always be a gossip. You will always be a busybody. Maybe some of you don't even feel any, I don't feel any conviction about that, Pastor. It's all good. Because we get together and we pray for those sinners. <laughs> Satan will speak about what you've done in a way that beats you up. It makes you feel like there's no hope for me, so I might as well just continue to live this way. Because it's who I am. But here's how you discern the Holy Spirit. Because when Satan speaks, he speaks death. He speaks the past. But when God speaks, ooh, he brings a whole new definition. God doesn't call you a sinner. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. God doesn't call you a failure. He calls you an overcomer. God, God doesn't call you coward. God speaks to you and says, you are the righteousness of Christ. 
when, when, when God speaks over you, he, he's not speaking about what I've done. He says, I see the blood of my son that has forgiven you. You might say to God, God, I'm, I'm none of those things that you call me. And God says, maybe not yet, but that's not where I'm leaving you. That's not how I'm going to define you. You're not there yet, but you will be. Let me tell you this about my God, and I'll, I'm done here. Romans chapter 4. Maybe you didn't know this about God, but here's what God says about Abraham. God says, God literally calls himself a, fr a friend of Abraham. And this is what Paul says in Romans 4. God who gives life to the dead, he calls those things that do not exist, those things that are not, how? As though they already were, as though they already have happened. Let me be clear about this. It is God who calls those things that are not as though they already were. I need you to know, no matter how you see yourself, God sees you as a completed, finished product in Christ Jesus. And that's why he doesn't speak to you about where you were. He speaks to you about what he's making you and who he's called you. Why? Because if he can bring dead things to life, then he can speak to those things that don't yet exist and say they will be because I said so. That's the God that I serve. What God wills, God will accomplish. Amen. Amen. Here's what I believe God was telling me today. God was telling me this. If, if I would just preach this, just keep it simple and just preach this. He was telling me that somebody today would come out of hiding. He told me that somebody today would recognize the pit they're in. The wine press they're stuck in. He, he, he told me that somebody today would drop their excuses and finally pick up an expectation. God's got more for me. God, God, God told me that, that somebody in this place today would make a decision. I've been in my comfort zone for way too long. There's a higher calling that God has called me to. All over this room, can you just, for one, can you just lift your hands to me right now? Father, I, I, I sense you. You're calling somebody out of the wine press and into a supernatural purpose. God, help us see where we've been for so long. Some of us, we've justified where we are because we've, we don't see any hope in any future. But God, you promised us there's a supernatural purpose. Come on, who's this for today? I know it's for somebody. God, is, God is, was speaking to you long before I ever opened up my mouth. God was revealing things to you, about you, long before you ever met me or before I ever picked up a microphone. I'm beginning to holler in your ear. God has been speaking to your spirit. Somebody in this place who recognizes there, there's, there's something at this stage of my life that God has called me to that is greater. greater. If this is for you, if, if God is, is saying there's greater things for you, then can you just lift your hands and say yes. If God is saying it's time to stop making excuses and it's time to pick up an expectation, can you say yes? If God is saying to you, yes, you're comfortable in your comfort zone, but say yes to the higher calling. Come on from your spirit. Can you, can you say yes? Come on, if everything in your past literally is getting you ready for what God is about to do in your life, can you say yes?
If every struggle is meant to bring about a victory, if every pain is meant to bring about his healing, literally if every time the enemy tried to keep you down and oppressed and fearful, but it's led you to this place where God is saying, I've got a hope and a future for you. I've got a greater anointing, a greater purpose, a greater calling. Can you lift your hands and say yes? I dare somebody to take a step of faith and get up on your feet in spite of how you feel about yourself and say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. It's not about where I've been. It's not about what the enemy says over my life. It's not about your opinion of me. It's not even about how I define myself. I say yes to what God has called me because what God calls me, God will make me. I'm not there yet, but I'm not staying stuck anymore. I say yes, Lord. 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 Somebody holler yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. There is no bondage. There is no bondage today. God, thank you, Lord. There is no bondage. Jesus today. We say yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. the prayer team to join me down front I don't want you to leave this place today in any kind of bondage Anisha, this is not my personal desire it's what God has already planned for you he knew you would get up this morning and show up here he knew it he knew it there's nothing outside of his knowledge and he knows the things that have kept you hidden for so long but his grace is here today to break the bondage of fear his grace is here to break those things that have kept you comfortable he's sifting he literally got it sifting today those decisions we make those up and down opinions we have of ourselves, those those feelings of I'll never get over this. I'll never be free from this. I'm I'm not good enough. I am the weakest and the least. And God is saying, you may have been, but that's not who I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you more than you ever imagined. Why Gideon? Why Jamin? Why you? I'm not God. All I know is he's not going to leave you where he's met you. He's going to make you who he's destined you to be. So whoever this is for right now, you took a step of faith and you stood up and you said, yes, God. Can I invite you to step out of your seat and just come to this front and let us just pray over your life. Allow us to speak freedom over your calling. Come on. Allow us to speak freedom from fear. Come on, wherever you are. Come on. Allow us to speak victory today. Allow us to speak breakthrough. Come on, don't don't be afraid. Come on, come on. I'm comfortable in my seat, Pastor, but that's not what God has destined me to be. He's calling me to come forward, to come out. Come on, wherever you are, respond to the calling of God. Respond to what God is speaking over you. Respond to it today. Respond to it today. Respond to it today. There is no bondage today. 
There is no more shame today. There is no more guilt today. There's no more about who I was. It's about who he's making me to be.